Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 15 of A Yank on the Footy. I'm Craig Wessels from Sandusky, Ohio, and I'm glad that you're listening. I do hope that you'll consider sharing my podcast with your friends. You can find it at any of your favorite podcast hosting sites. Starting out here, folks, all I can say is, wow, what a week. Did you see that footy action? Me neither. To say that this first week without uh, footy has been surreal, I think, would be an understatement. I'm sure that uh, I'm not alone. When I went ahead and uh, last Monday morning hopped up and uh, checked out my schedule magnet that I got from my team membership to see who the Cats were playing this week and realized, well, that's not happening. It was Gold Coast, by the way, and after watching their performance in the first round of the, the Marsh series, maybe it's not such a bad thing they're not playing the the, uh, the Suns right now. Um, but the coronavirus has officially put the 2020 footy season, along with all other sports around the country, on hold. Well, almost all other sports, okay? If you happen to be a soccer fan in Belarus... You're still you're still gold, okay? They're still playing. The last I checked, Belarus has pretty much said, "The heck with it. We're playing some soccer." Now, rumor has it that the the head of that soccer league in Belarus has decided that uh, under no circumstances would the Belarusian league shut down. They said even if it means that we do nothing more than throw a keeper out there and bring individual players out onto the field and kick penalty kicks, they're going to keep playing. Okay, I made that part up. They're probably not going to do that. And who knows, by the time I get done recording this, they may have, in fact, decided to shut down. But it has been bizarre knowing that there's not any footy this weekend, knowing that there's not any footy next weekend. Now, I, I will give the uh, the TV networks a lot of credit, and I've not had a chance yet to watch some of the games, but they have been putting a lot of classic games, if you will, on television i know on the watch afl app that i have there have been many many games that have shown up that have been listed as the part of the shows because they've taken down the actual schedule from the app because we don't know who's playing when or where they're going to be playing so they've removed that other than round one um but it's been it's been interesting and i think while they're doing that, this goes back to a previous episode from a week or two ago, uh, talking about how, well, I guess it was probably the most recent one where we were talking about how excited Americans became about the, the game. This would be a great opportunity for the AFL to provide some great games of the past here in the U.S. and put them on free television here. Show some grand final games. Show the MCG with 98,000 people in the stands getting ready to celebrate a West Coast or a Hawthorne or a Geelong victory. Don't show them Meatloaf's performance. And again, I've never seen footage of it, but I hear people joking about it all the time, so it had to be terrible. And I, I like Meatloaf, both the musician and, well, Meatloaf itself as well. But this has been a crazy week. We're looking at one another, trying to figure out, well, what can we, you know, how can we occupy our time? Many of us are now working from home. I teach school. I've been 
meeting online with my students, uh, working on assignments that way, trying to engage them, have had a difficult time with some, getting in touch with them. But most of the kids have gotten on board with what we have to be doing online. So in that case, I'm pretty happy with them. But during the downtime, you know, this was an episode I had planned on having out a couple of days ago, but I have just had a real difficult time sitting down to kind of focus on how I wanted to map out this episode. I had ideas of what I wanted to say, but I, I was in many ways, I guess you could say, I was kind of footy depressed, if you will. The game wasn't there. There weren't going to be games to talk about. There weren't going to be great goals to talk about. We weren't going to be able to talk about, you know, how many Brownlow votes Nat Fife had already picked up. We weren't going to talk about, you know, how many goals Ben Brown was going to kick in a game. None of those things were, were available to us. So we're, we're devoid of that. And it, it's kind of sad. And we're trying to figure out how do we occupy our time? Because we had planned on setting aside, for me, Friday mornings, Saturday mornings, that type of thing, uh, some late Sunday night or Saturday nights to, to watch footy. And I'm still trying to figure out what am I going to do to occupy my time? I watched a couple television shows, but even that is getting boring. I have a a significant DVD and Blu-ray collection, a very significant one. I'm not even excited about watching any of those right now because I'd rather be watching footy. Now, I haven't jumped in to watch some of the old games yet because, again, I've, I've only been following the game really since 2015, 16, really. Um, really closely in 16, more closely, I should say. And I don't have that background. And I guess it was, it's going to be a good idea for me to go back and actually look at some of these old games to see some of the, the names that, that are the names of lore, if you will, that are talked about um, in, in years gone by. You know, to go see Jonathan Brown play for Brisbane, to go see Jimmy Bartell, you know, things of that nature, to get, to get an idea of just who these people were and what their game was like. Okay, so I'm going to do that. I just haven't gotten around it yet because I'm, I'm still a little maudlin, if you will. I'm a little bummed out by the fact that there's no actual footy going on. Now, this week has been full of news. Okay, there are all kinds of stories that are, that are happening. I get a news feed every day that shows up uh, through Google where you can set it up where it will go and it will go and find articles that deal with a specific topic. Okay. So every day I get an email from Google with a dozen or so articles about the AFL, the AFLW, uh, Australian rules football, Geelong as well. Uh, I even have one sign up for a couple of other things that are extraneous to that, that show up in my, in my, Uh, email every day as well. And so I've been perusing and reading through these articles to see exactly what's going on because I'm, I'm a little outside of the bubble on this being, you know, on the other side of the planet, but you know, the game, the the year is passing us by and the game is, is not here with us right now. So I'm trying to find out what's going on, what the plans are, um, what they're hoping to get accomplished as the season goes forward and if it goes forward 
And what's the season going to look like later on in 2020 if it restarts? Or are we going to end up simply finding ourselves scrapping the 2020 season and moving on to 2021? Now, I hope that's not the case. I truly hope that's not the case. But who knows what's going to happen? Okay, we can't uh, we can't project what's going to be occurring in, with regards to that sort of thing. Now, one of the first big issues of this week was the pay cut that the players chose to take. Okay, the the AFL Players Association decided to and voted for taking a fifty percent pay cut for the season. Now, I don't know if that is uh, retroactive or if some of that comes back once the season starts. But, you know, this was through no fault of their own. Okay. I mean, this is, you know, I, I'm, I'm assuming here that, you know, if a player has a, a contract with a club and they get injured, let's say, for example, Tom Mitchell last year was injured at the start of the season. He still got paid his contract throughout that season because the injury was not something that he did. This virus is not something that the, that the players themselves did, but the problem here is, that there's no income coming in from ticket sales. There's no income coming in from the sales of um, food at the stadium, alcohol at the stadium, which if the MCG and uh, Optus Stadium and uh, Marvel Stadium or anything like the, uh, the stadiums in the NFL and Major League Baseball, they're selling an awful lot of carbonated fermented beverages. Okay, I seem to recall one of the, uh, was it the Carlton uh, Beer Company that says that uh, their ad that goes around the inside of the stadium that I think it was last year or the year before where it said that every 46 seconds a keg is tapped. So the players took a 50% pay cut. I think that's going to help and obviously help the league become viable or stay viable. That's an admirable, admirable decision on their part. Now, it sounded as though that the players were not real thrilled on this and they wanted to try to avoid doing this if at all possible. Okay. The AFL administration has taken a, a 20% pay cut currently as well. Um, they've laid off a bunch of employees from what it sounds like. I, wa- I watched or listened to a, in an interview with Gil McLaughlin recently, and he said there's nobody left working at the AFL headquarters. Everybody's working from home or people have been sent home for the duration. Coaching staffs have also decided to take a 20% pay cut. Okay, and that's admirable. I think Chris Scott uh, announced recently that he's going to just give up his entire salary. Uh, was doing a 100% cut. Now, again, I don't know if that starts back up once the season begins. I would assume that it would. I don't know that for a fact, but I would assume that once the season starts, he's going to go ahead and uh, pick up his salary again at that point. Okay. You know, and I'm not, I'm not real familiar with how the salary structure works for coaches. Um, I addressed this a little bit in the, with regards to, to the player's salary cap back in episode 10. But I'm not exactly sure how the structure works for the coaches. But I think there is some sort of a cap for the coaches as well. You can't just go and hire the best of, you know, every single coach, you know, that you want and pay them top dollar. You have to have some people who are making, you know, a little bit less money to fit them all under the cap. But one of the things that's come out about this is that uh, people have, and I saw a photograph that showed up on one of the uh, 
the websites, one of the articles that showed, I don't remember which team it was. I, I think it was Melbourne or it was Essendon. I, I believe, believe there was some red in the jersey. And it showed the coaches' booth. And there were 14 or 15 coaches or technicians that were sitting up in the coaches' booth, all with their laptops in front of them, doing something related to the game. And, uh, you know, there's even been some scuttlebutt, some talk, scuttlebutt, I'm sorry, that's a Navy term, some discussion, some speculation about whether or not teams or the league should actually reduce the maximum size of each team's coaching staff. Should they set a limit on how many coaches a team can have? Now, I don't know if that's necessarily going to be something that's going to improve the product on the field. You know, is the game going to get better with fewer coaches? I don't know. You might see, in that regard, you might see players who have much more innate ability on their own, that they just have it, that they're able to do things that, that can't be coached. You know, Eddie Betts' ability to kick goals from way deep in the pocket. Dustin Martin's ability to get around people and, and, and distribute the ball and kick goals that otherwise would not seem to be able to be be kicked. Brody Grundy's ability to to go ahead and move the ball around on uh, the ball ups to, to get it where he wants it to go. Those are things, sure, you can, you know, body placement, that sort of thing can be coached, but simply the fact that you have that, that gift to do those kinds of things, you would probably still be able to do that and maybe even be better at it if some of those other folks didn't have the, uh, the coaching that was, uh, that would help to get them to your level. You know, that, that, you know, uh, God given gift, if you will. Okay. Um, but you know there have been there have been a lot of discussions about possibly reducing the number of coaches to help cut costs, and I did I did read an article uh, where it was it was referencing a, an interview that Ked Hinckley from Port did with uh, Gerald Waitley, and uh, was talking about he was concerned about cutting back or reducing the size of the coaching staffs, that he was concerned that that was going to impact a team's ability to prepare to be effective, um, so. Again, I don't know in the long run if this benefits the sport by cutting back on the number of coaches. Okay, I'd love to love to hear what you thought your thoughts are on that. So reach out and shoot me an email or leave me a comment on the Podbean app about this because I, I would really like to know what you think on this because you know I don't know if there's a set maximum. I guess you could uh, you know is it is it at a point where you can put as many butts in the in the chairs in the coach's box until you run out of chairs? Is that how it works? You know, I know there are coaches that are down on the field as well. And some, you know, some folks even, uh, you know, like Chris Fagan actually will coach from down on the field while he has some of his assistants up in the box. But, you know, is this, is this a time for teams to trim the fat, if you will, to, to try to save money? Okay. And along with this, and this is kind of a, another, another um, tangent off of this, uh, David King wrote and talked about this week that, where he said that this was a great opportunity, a prime opportunity for the AFL to actually open up the game. And I guess his big concern is the fact that there are so many low scoring games now. Is it boring people? This, this is one of the, this is one of the things that I have as to why I'm not a, a soccer or a football fan, if you will. You know, uh, an international football fan. I, I, I don't think there's, you know, I like the pad, pageantry of it. I like the, the geometry of it in terms of moving the ball around. But there's, you know, there's not 
a lot of scoring. Okay, there's a lot of great defense, whether that be the actual defenders or the the, the keeper. Um, but you know, he talked about trying to open up the game and trying to seize it from the the defensive minded coaches that are there. Okay, you know, he was arguing, like I said, that that scoring was down, and he thought that the game might be more exciting this way, uh, allowing for more scoring. Be careful what you wish for, okay? As a 50-year fan of the NFL, I'm not sure that this is such a great idea, okay? The NFL has bent over backwards in recent years to try to increase scoring, to get more points on the scoreboard. Defense, in many cases, is a bit of an afterthought, all right? If you watch uh, football casually, okay, um, once, you know, nowadays, once a wide receiver, once a a pass catcher gets beyond five yards from the line of scrimmage when they're going downfield to have a pass thrown to them, possibly, once they get five yards down the field, a defender is not allowed to touch them. Not that they're not allowed to bump into them, that sort of thing. They're, they're literally, they're not allowed to put their hand on them. Now, when the ball's in the air and the, the, the defender and the receiver are going up and trying to both catch the ball, there may be a little bit of body contact, that sort of thing. That sort of thing happens. But any sort of thing that's going to disrupt the pattern or the direction that that receiver is going is now a penalty. It's an illegal contact penalty. It's a five-yard penalty. I believe it's a uh, an automatic first down. It has really hamstrung the defense. It has really limited the defense's ability to slow down the offense. We're you know we're turning it more into a uh, if you think about it as a military type thing. It's it's more we're turning it more into an artillery barrage as opposed to an actual infantry battle between the two sides where the two sides are going face to face. You've got, you know, you're, you're, you're not actually coming in contact with the other side. Okay. Um, so be careful what you wish for as far as the whole idea of trying to open up the game. Yeah. I, 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 I appreciate Mr. King's comments and I, and I, he knows a hell of a lot more about the game than I do. I'm not, I, I, I don't know anything. Okay. But I would just be very concerned if they try to open up the game defensively. What the heck are they going to try to do here? What are they going to try to do to limit scoring? Are they going to go ahead and uh, they're going to carry the 6-6-6 rule to an extreme and only allow six defenders inside the forward 50? Are they not going to allow tackling inside the arc? Are defenders not going to be allowed to jump? What, what are they going to do? Are they going to put a limit on the number of you know defenders that are down there? Yeah, if if I'm a team that is, you know, let's say I'm, let's say my team is, I, I hate, let's say my team is is playing for a uh, a premiership, and I'm I'm nursing a five point lead, and I've got just a couple minutes left in the game. You're going to tell me that I'm not allowed to to bring down more people inside the the 50 meter arc to try to prevent somebody from or from the arc to prevent them from getting a mark and, and having a chance to kick a winning goal just all in the name of trying to have more scoring it's a pretty slippery slope so while it's great to see more goals scored be careful what you wish for because 
it could make defenders relatively useless. And that's that to me is a rather frightening pop proposition. You know, some of the other things that came out of this week were speculation that uh, people talking about the possibility or the likelihood that teams may need to merge in order for the league to survive, or they may need to relocate because they can't support X amount of teams in a certain area. You know, again, I'm, I'm new to the game, so I don't have the history that everyone else has. Okay. I, I know the story of, you know, I know the story of, of Fitzroy having, uh, you know, having been merged in, you know, becoming the, the, the lions. Okay. I, I understand that. I, Got a pretty good history of that on that uh, that TV show Jack Irish, which I really really enjoyed. Um, those three older gentlemen sitting in the bar were always a lot of fun to listen to when they were talking about the about the Lions. But it's a pretty scary thought to think that, yeah, especially if we don't come back and play this year, if the league decides to merge two teams, and your team goes away, you never got to say goodbye to your team. And that's a scary proposition. Okay. Now I, I, I get the, the necessity of doing this possibly. Okay. There's also talk about really trying to get a team established in Tasmania. Now I know, you know, Tasmania is a, is a big Island, but the population of the Island is not huge. If I'm not mistaken. Okay. Could they support a single team there. I know that uh, if I'm not mistaken, it's uh, the Hawks and the Roos go play there a few times each year. But beyond that, there aren't any other games there. Is there enough of a fan base for a club to relocate full time to Tasmania? I don't. I don't know the answer to that. So that's why I'm asking. But it sure seems like that. I actually saw a music video uh, that somebody had created about uh, it was time to have a. Uh, a, a footy team in Tasmania to have an AFL team in Tasmania. I actually sent messages back and forth to the gentleman that made the video. I think on, I think it was on Twitter. I don't remember if it was Twitter, or Facebook, but I was in contact with him about it and, and very passionate about that. So, you know, I, I would love to hear from you and see what you think about the whole idea of uh, possibly there being a team in Tasmania. Now, I know that a lot of folks would say, first off, that the natural team to go. Well, one, somebody might say the Ruse because they're already playing there. Okay. But one of the other teams that, that people always seem to mention is, well, send Gold Coast there. But if I'm not mistaken, and again, you know, please let me know on this. As difficult a time that Gold Coast has had in becoming relevant, if you will, are they not? in a position where the league really wants to see that team be successful in that city to help gain another foothold of footy in Queensland. Is that not what they're trying to do You know, to be able to go toe to toe with, with, with rugby, if you will, to make them relevant up in the, and I got, you know, and from what I've gathered, I, I've done some reading gold coast as a, a big tourist area. It sounds like it's in many ways without the Disneyland, it's a little bit like Orlando that people like to go there on vacation and hang out. You know, I don't know what kind of it, or maybe more like Las Vegas would be a good example. Although Las Vegas now has a couple of professional teams there with the hockey team. 
I don't even know what they're called. They've got gold helmets, uh, knights, I think. That's what they're called, the, uh, the Vegas Knights, I think. And then you've got the, the Oakland Raiders are moving there starting this fall, if they play. Um, but uh, it is, uh, it's sad if your team goes, okay? As a, as a fan of the Cleveland Browns, and not all, not all of you are, are NFL fans. I understand that. But for those of you here in the States who are listening that happen to know a little bit about the NFL, if you're a little bit older, um, the NFL team, the Cleveland Browns, like I said, that's a team I've supported my entire life. And after the 1995 season, they left Cleveland. They couldn't get a deal done in terms of constructing a new stadium. And they moved to Baltimore, Maryland. So Cleveland had no team for the 96, 97, or 98 seasons. During that time, they reached an agreement with the league uh, to bring a team back. They got to keep the team name. Uh, they got to keep the, the team colors, the history of the team, all of that sort of thing. So the, the, the team that left became the Baltimore Ravens. And I, I hate the Baltimore Ravens, okay? I, I, I despise them. I, you know, I know that uh, Geelong fans are not supposed to like Hawthorne, but I'll tell you what, you know, once this whole virus thing is over, you guys should link arms and, uh, you know, go buy a beer together because you guys are going to be better buddies than Browns and Ravens fans. I, I despise the Ravens. I jokingly said, said to a friend of mine recently that, you know what, if ISIS had a football team and they were playing the Ravens, I'd have to think long and hard on who I would support in that game. That's how much I hate the Ravens because they used to be the team I supported and that team was snatched out from underneath us. And there was a lot of things that happened um, with the ownership of the team. There were a lot of things that happened with the local government in Cleveland. The ball got dropped theoretically, okay, Um, in terms of, being able to keep the Browns in Cleveland because they had built a new baseball stadium for the Cleveland Indians. They had constructed a new basketball arena for the Cleveland Cavaliers, which both opened in 1994, I believe. Yeah, they opened in 1994. So the next year, you know, the Browns and the Indians had shared a stadium and the Browns play were playing in a stadium that was right on the lake and was about 70 years old. It was rather run down. And it did not have the big luxury boxes and that sort of thing that make a team a lot of money. And they wanted a new stadium and the city wasn't going to pony up the money for that. Okay. Because here they end up being in many cases end up having to be paid for by taxpayers. Okay. So, you know, we're at a point in time where we may be seeing talks about teams merging, possibly going to, you know, 16 teams in the league. You know, possibly merging four teams. Who would you merge together? Who are your sacred cows? Who would you not allow to merge? Or if you went to 16 teams and you merged two, that got you to 17. If you had to get rid of another team because maybe they're not economically viable. I know the answer is going to be Gold Coast, but like I said, I really think they want Gold Coast to be as successful as they possibly can be there. Um and this time, I think they're finally getting it right. Hopefully, as long as we can get them back out on the field. Okay. 
but who would you who do you think should be the 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 teams to merge you know shoot me an email at uh, yank on the footy at gmail.com or hit me up at yank underscore on on twitter or you know you can you know leave me a comment on the podbean app for my uh for my podcast as well i'd love to hear what your thoughts are on this um you know while we're talking about all of this uh this stuff about uh possible relocations and that sort of thing. I needed to give a big shout out to zerohanger.com with regards to this issue, this issue, because you got me. Okay. You got me. I, you caught me. Maybe some of you have run into this today, but I went into it completely forgetting what was going on today and they got me. So if you go look at uh, zerohanger.com, you might find something related to relocation. Now, it does sound like the, uh, the, the AFL, PA, and the league are trying to figure out some way to get the 2020 season done, no matter how long it takes. Okay. Now, I, I, I watch what the weather is like in Australia now because I, I'm interested in what happens there. Now, footy is not played during the summer months generally. And from everything that I had seen, you had some extraordinarily warm temperatures this past summer which of course led to the, the, the tragic fires that were going on. Uh, but it sure sounds like the players and the league are very open to the idea of playing right through your springtime and possibly into early summer if need be in order to complete the season. Now they've resigned themselves to 17 games. Maybe this virus gets wrapped up a lot sooner than we realize. And then it's not necessary to play that late into the season. But maybe this gets stretched out a little bit while a little while longer and we end up having to to actually push into October into the regular season on the fixture into November and ultimately ultimately be playing games in December. Okay. Now I did see a report today that uh that Gil McLaughlin said that yeah, you know if we have to play in December we'll do that, but um he said they were certainly going to avoid Boxing Day um, as far as a day for the finals because that, that butts right up against the, uh, the cricket season. Now, again, at this point in time, we don't know what would happen as far as the finals, where it would be played. Because the finals carry on in the cricket season, you're not going to be able to play the finals likely at the MCG. So you might end up seeing the finals played at Marvel Stadium this year possibly which would be interesting. And if you ended up playing when it's really, really hot out, you could definitely close up the roof. And I, I'm assuming that Marvel Stadium has air conditioning. So if need be, you could cool off the inside of the arena well enough to make it a comfortable place to play the game. I did see where Lee Matthews, um, amongst others, was even tossing out the idea of playing a three-game series for the grand finals. You know, here here in the States, you know, the the NBA major league baseball will play a, a series, if you will. Um, the finals will be a, uh, a seven game series. So the best out of seven. So the first team to win four would, um, would end up winning that, that title. And I actually reference one of those, uh, well, it's not really important, but I reference one of those series, uh, the 1960 World Series, if you follow baseball at all here in the States. Um, 
you know, we, we have a, uh, this going to get a little political here for a moment. Uh, you know, here in the States, when we go about electing our president, it's not done by a national popular vote. Some people would like that to be the case. Um, but we have what's called the electoral college. So during a presidential election, we actually have 51 different elections going on. And each one of those elections, with the exception of two states, the states of Nebraska and the states of Maine, if you win the popular vote in that state, you get all of that state's electoral votes. Each, each, I'm going way deeper into this than I thought I would. And uh, believe me, there's a point because I actually do reference the World Series on this. Um, but the, uh, the states, for example... You know, if I won a state by, let's say there were 10 million votes in a state and I got 5 million votes, the next person got 4,999,999 and then somebody voted for, I don't know, Shaquille O'Neal on one of the ballots. If I got the 5 million votes, I won that state. Okay. It's like winning a, uh, a game in the NBA series. Okay, it's like winning a game in the World Series. So you're trying to get to this majority of what are called electoral votes. All right. And there's 530 of, 538 of them out there, and you need to win 270 in order to win the presidency. So the way it works out, it's very similar to baseball. And I use, for example, if you're a baseball fan, the 1960 World Series between the Pittsburgh Pirates and the New York Yankees. If you look at that one on Wikipedia, for example, it's amazing because in that series, the Yankees outscored the Pirates. I believe it was 55 to 27, if I'm not mistaken. The Yankees scored 55 runs and the Pirates scored 27. It might be 54-27 or right around there. It was almost a two-to-one margin. But the Pirates won the series because they won four games. They won four very close games and lost three blowouts. So that's kind of what they're what uh, Lee Matthews is talking about with regards to a uh, a three game series in the in the grand finals. Now I'm not sure if he's talking about it having being being something where it's three separate games. So if I win two out of three, I win. Or was he talking about it being possibly a cumulative score? So if if I won the first game a hundred to to ninety. Then the next game, I'm already going in by a lead of 10, 10 points. I'm not sure what he what his intent was. I would imagine it would be each individual game, and if I win two, then I win. I have a feeling that's what he was talking about, but I don't know that to be the case. And I went back and did a little digging, and I noticed that the only and there were a couple from years ago, but the most recent instance where there were multiple games played in a grand final was 2010 with Collingwood and St. Kilda, where the first game was a draw, and then they played an, an additional game a week later. You know, so I, I'm not sure, if, I don't know what your thoughts are on playing a series. You know, if it helps to maximize revenue, to make the make the, the game more economically viable, then I guess I'm all for it. But in terms of the, the, the purity, if you will, of, of the season, I'm not sure I'm a big fan of that necessarily. But, but again, it's not my call by any stretch of the imagination. You know, and, and I did read this week that the... Uh, that the AFL was able to get a line of credit from a couple different banks to help keep the league viable until the season gets going again. So that's a great thing. You know, it's nice knowing that they're going to be able to have the, the economic ability to, to push the, uh, 
the game into the later part of the year without the revenue coming in from from the games that were supposed to be getting played, you know, and who knows if the games start back up again, who knows if they're going to let the fans back in or not. They may be playing the rest of the season in empty stadiums for all we know. And again, I have not heard anything about that at all, but that almost makes sense that they would do that just out of a precautionary standpoint to not trigger the possibility of another outbreak, if you will. So I, I don't, I don't know if that's going to be the case, but it wouldn't surprise me if there's not a single fan at any of the games this year. That's a little depressing. That's a little depressing. Now I've rambled on a little bit here tonight, touching on a lot of different subjects. You know, I, one last thing before I, uh, I wanted to, to wrap up tonight. I wanted to close out today's episode with one thing. I, I wanted to, to wish Mason Cox congratulations on getting approved to become a, uh, uh, an Australian citizen. I think that's fantastic. You, sir, you, sir, you have, you've, you've totally and completely embraced your new home, your culture. It's impressive. I wish you the best going forward. I, I did read where you, you weren't sure when you were, when you were going to be able to be sworn in because you didn't know if you could do it from the comfort of your own home. Who knows? Maybe they can, uh, you know, have a, an immigration judge, you know, show up at your house in a hazmat suit in order to get you sworn in. But congratulations on that. It's a little depressing as an American, though. Um, you know, cause to me, this is, you know, this is crushing news because of what just came out today when the uh, International Olympic Committee announced today that footy was going to be an exhibition sport at the 2024 Olympics in Paris. And now we're going to have to, you know, look for another key forward for the U.S. team. Okay, April Fool's on that one. I made that up. Uh, unfortunately, they're not going to have uh, they're not going to have footy at the Paris Olympics. Don't get too mad at me about that, but I just I thought we could use a little bit of levity today. But again, you know, Mason Cox, congratulations on becoming a uh, you know becoming a citizen here in the very near future. That's fantastic. I did see somebody where com- somebody commented that were you, you weren't allowed to use the word y'all, which uh, I, Mr. Cox, you're probably not listening, but maybe somebody you know will be listening to this and they'll pass it along to you. Uh, yeah, you you went to Oklahoma State, but I believe you're from Texas, and my son was a Navy ROTC student, and he. Uh, when he got a scholarship, was looking at schools that he wanted to attend. So he flew down to visit Texas A&M. And he came back and said, I love the school. Looks great. I'd love to go there, but I cannot. I said, well, why not? He said, because everybody says howdy down there. And he said, and I hate, Dad, when you say it, because if you know me, I'm born and raised in Ohio. 1,500, 2,000 miles away from College Station, Texas. And I say howdy all the time. So, again, Mason Cox, congratulations. Best of luck this season when we get it going, okay? Now, ladies and gents, as we're moving into this period where there's not likely to be a whole lot of news other than speculation about when they're going to be playing, how much they're going to be playing, who's playing whom, what the finals are going to look like. So I guess that is news, but there's not actual footy news. You know, one of the things that I would like to do with this podcast is to talk to as many supporters as I possibly can. Okay. And, you know, that may mean, you know, sitting down and and talking to two or three people a week and setting up interviews and uh, putting them out there to, to help to allow you to tell your story. Okay. I would love, because again, I'm one of the goals of this is for me to learn the game. 
I'm trying to learn the history of the game. I'm trying to learn some of the nuances of the game, things that I don't know about it. And I would love to hear from you about your experience as a supporter, your greatest memories, your biggest heartbreaks, even the, you know, the funniest things or the saddest things that you've encountered as a fan. I would love to hear from you. And if, you, if you're somebody who thinks you'd love to be a guest on here, by all means, shoot me an email at a yank on the footy at gmail.com or reach out to me on Twitter at yank underscore on or on Instagram or on Facebook at a yank on the footy. I check those all fairly consistently. You certainly can, uh, you know, you can certainly reach out. I'd, I'd love to talk to you. I have a number of people who uh, I've expressed interest in interviewing, uh, ones that I have loosely lined up. I haven't conducted the interviews yet. And one of the things that I, that I do that, I'm not sure how many other interviewers tend to do this with though, is that I will, I will set up a, uh, a Google doc. I'll set up a document that I share with the interviewee's email address to allow them to see some of the questions that, that I'm going to be asking to allow them to actually put questions on there that they would like to ask, have asked to allow them to, to put their story out there because this is not a, uh, this is not a news program where I'm trying to, you know, ask gotcha questions or I'm not, I'm not holding politicians feet to the fire or anything of that nature. Just wanted to talk to people about the game of footy. So I mean, I want to make it as comfortable as I possibly can for people. So if you listen to, you know, uh, Chris Hickey's interview or Fro Jernhard, or you listen to, um, any of the other ones that I've done recently, Okay, there's been about a half dozen people that I've interviewed. I've, I've shared that document with those folks so they can see the types of questions that I'm going to be asking. Okay, and ladies and gentlemen, I honestly, I cannot tell you how fortunate I feel with the fact that you, you're tuning into the show. Okay, I know there's a, this is not a professional podcast. Okay, I'm, uh, I'm using a relatively inexpensive microphone. I'm recording it sitting at my desk on my, on my laptop. Okay. This is not, I'm not in a fancy studio by any stretch of the imagination. And those people, those of you that are, if you're, if you're listening, fantastic. I don't, I'm doing this on more of a shoestring budget. Okay. But the fact that you're listening is extraordinarily humbling. I hope that if you're enjoying it, you know, if you'd consider sharing it with a friend, tell them, that you, tell them about it. You, you could even just give them the name of the show and then they can find the, uh, the show on their favorite search engine. It can be on, it's found on Spotify, on Google, on, uh, Apple podcasts. It's on probably a dozen different sites. Okay. So I would appreciate it if you'd consider sharing it with your friends, telling them about it, uh, reaching out to me and talking to me. Okay. Um, and, uh, I'm going to go ahead and wrap up now. Okay. Ladies and gents, I appreciate you, um, listening again. And, and don't forget that, you know, while you can find all of the episodes of my podcast at a yank on the footy.podbean.com, you can also find it, like I said, on your favorite podcast provider. I'm hoping you'll consider giving me, giving me a review. I've had a handful of people who've reached out and given me reviews on Apple. I appreciate it. Uh, I've had a number of comments on the Podbean app. I do read all of those. Um, I see those every day. If there are new ones, it lets me know. And I try to respond to all of them because I love talking to you about the game. Okay. Um, you know, I'd love to know what you think. What other topics would you like 
like me to address and talk about. You know, I know there are some, there are some podcasts. I know there's a footy podcast out there that, uh, that does uh, nothing but look at a, a, an individual season and talk about everything that went on during that season. Okay. And that I have not listened to that one yet, but it surely looks like it would be an interesting one. Um, you know, so I would, I would love to get some feedback from you and hear what it is that you, uh, you would like me to, to address in an upcoming episode. Okay. And again, you can reach me via email at a yank at, a yank on the footy at gmail.com also on Twitter at yank underscore on and then on Facebook and Instagram at a yank on the footy. And before I wrap up, I'd like to thank Mr. Joseph McDade for the use of two of his great pieces of music. Mr. McDade has created some fantastic music and I'm using a couple pieces, uh, winter's mist and elevation. You can find him at Joseph Mc, Joseph McDade.com slash music. Mr. McDade. Thanks again for your hard work and your wonderful tunes. And ladies and gentlemen, again, I want to thank you because while many of us are fans of our teams, deep down we're fans of the game that we love, and that's the game of footy. And we are at a strange point in the recent history of mankind, ladies and gentlemen. I hope that you and your family stay safe. I hope that you're able to take the proper measures to help protect yourself against this virus. Be tolerant of one another. Look out for one another. Talk to your parents. If you're not able to be face-to-face with them, get on Skype, get on a Google Hangout, talk to them, get on the phone with them, be kind to one another, be tolerant of one another. I think by now we've all got enough toilet paper to last us for a while. They'll start replenishing the shelves. Everything's going to be okay. And as I'd mentioned before, if the media in Australia is anything like the media here in the U.S., I'd tune them out. I'd listen to the experts. Okay, the scientific experts, the medical experts. I'm, I'm pretty darn impressed with the governor here in my state of Ohio. He's done a fantastic job. And the director of health in our state has done a fantastic job as well. They want to get this over. They want to flatten that proverbial curve and help us get back to the things that we want to do. And let, again, ladies and gentlemen, I want to thank you for tuning in. And may your dribble kick never hit the post. I'll catch you later. This has been episode 15 of A Yank on the Footy. Don't forget that you can reach me at yank underscore on on Twitter or to yank on the footy at gmail.com. You can also find me on Instagram or Facebook at A Yank on the Footy. Again, ladies and gentlemen, thanks for listening and please consider sharing my podcast with your friends and family.